my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about Bitcoin, we talk about cryptocurrencies, we talk about the decentralized revolution that we're living through, that we're witnessing right now, and it's apparent from a bunch of different standpoints. It's apparent where we can see the centralization of governments, the centralization of money, the centralization of healthcare, all of that at an all-time high, and at the same time, an equal and opposite reaction. It's being pushed back, it's being rejected everywhere. And we're seeing how centralized finance is somewhat under attack from decentralized finance, except for it's more like centralized finance is actually attacking the decentralized finance right now. I've been talking a lot about that um, in some previous segments, so I'm not going to go super deep into it. But uh, we can see that this supposed decentralized finance, this DeFi space is under attack and potentially bringing down 
not just the cryptocurrency space, but a lot of the traditional finance space at all. But of course, it's the traditional finance space that it's attacking it. Um, and uh, there's just so much going on here. Um, because of this, uh, we'll call it uh, a meltdown almost, if you will. I mean, we see some of these cryptocurrency positions are down 50, 60, 70%. Most of the DeFi protocols are down over 80%. And then, of course, the Bitcoin miners, um, the exchanges like Coinbase are getting completely hammered. Uh, we saw this week, um, lots of earning reports have been coming out from all different types of companies, and they're not looking good. Most companies are losing lots of money. And one of them in the cryptocurrency space is Coinbase. Now, Coinbase Coinbase is one of the largest exchanges, uh, one of the oldest exchanges. They've been helping people get into Bitcoin since I think about 2016, maybe earlier if I'm wrong. So apologize, I didn't look that up ahead of time. Uh, but they've been around a long time and they've helped millions and millions and millions of people get into Bitcoin. Of course, um, over the years, they've started getting into all the different cryptocurrency assets that are out there. And they're not really the biggest friends of Bitcoin, to say the least, which is why I typically like to um, send my Bitcoin business over to Swan Bitcoin or River or companies that are more friendly just specifically to Bitcoin. But Coinbase has moved into this kind of a cryptocurrency casino, if you will, and they have been hit very, very hard. I believe partially because they have a massive amount of their money in those cryptocurrencies, as well as as prices have been continuing to fall, we basically have been off of our highs since last November. Um, as the market's been continuing to fall, people don't want to buy as much and they make their money from uh, transactions, from exchanges. And if people aren't doing that, they're not making much money. We saw, we saw that uh, the founder, the CEO's net worth has dropped from about almost $14 billion in November of last year, down to about $2.5 billion today, $2.2 billion today, which um, $2.2 billion is still a lot of money. Uh, I'm sure each of us would be happy to have that amount of money, but you, know, you don't understand his whole situation, and losing that much could be bad, especially if you were levered up against that using debt uh, at all, which... I don't know if he was. I'm not using that speculation. But it seems like the hits on uh, Coinbase just continue to just continue to mount up on it. Now, Coinbase is a publicly traded company. It's called Coin, C-O-I-N. And part of their um, reports that they put out are, you know, obviously on their financials, um, explaining how they uh, lost all their revenues. It wasn't too good. But some of the other parts that came out in their reports were much more alarming, to say the least. Now, in Bitcoin and probably in greater crypto, you might hear as well, but we say um, in Bitcoin, not your keys, not your coins. So what does that mean? Well, if you don't have your keys, then somebody else does. And that means somebody else has the keys to your own coins, which means if you don't have the keys, you don't really have the coins. Whoever has the keys does. Um, and this is uh, the, the information that came out on Coinbase in regards to that specifically, it's pretty bad. It's pretty scary. It's been uh, making big ripples around the uh, cryptocurrency space, and I want to bring it to you because it is dangerous and you need to know about it. Now, to kind of frame this up, if you don't know what I'm talking about, what the heck are keys, I'm going to give you a super high-level view, okay? Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. There's a lot of channels and uh, podcasts and shows that go in more depth into this, but let's think about it like this. The oldest problem that mankind has had is how do I secure my property in a way that can't be stolen? That's the 
oldest problem that I know of, I guess, where do I get food? That's probably an, a, an older problem. <laughs> but one of the oldest problems that mankind has had is how do I keep my food that I've stored up from being stolen? How do I protect my property from being stolen? And so, of course, we, we band together, you know, a couple guys get together, we make a village, we make a kingdom, we make a country. The role of the United States is to protect the private property of its citizens. That's always the role. And so money has been the best store, I'm sorry, uh, gold has been the best storehold of wealth uh, for thousands and thousands of years. And so we'd store our wealth in gold. If we had a little bit, we could bury it uh, in the, hide it in the house, we could bury it in the, in the yard, uh, make, a, make, a, make a treasure map out to where we stash that gold. If we had a lot of gold, we might want to build a vault, um, build walls around it, hire security, things like that. I have to spend a lot of time, effort, energy, and money to secure that wealth. And then how would I move it? Right? It's very difficult. So that's one of the oldest problems that mankind has had protecting our private property. Will Bitcoin solve that problem? Now, how big will Bitcoin be in the future? I don't know. But when you solve the oldest problem that mankind has had, it's pretty massive. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, I don't know all the ways it's going to affect things. I have a lot of ideas about that I talk about pretty regularly. But how does it do that? Well, it store it protects it cryptographically. Using cryptography, it protects it. And as long as I have my cryptographic key that allows me to transact with it, then I can do what I want. Think about Bitcoin as like this digital locker system. So you have a locker at the high school or the train station airport. And in that locker, you have a public address. My locker, C19. Hey, would you go put this envelope in my locker, C19? That would be my public address. Well, then I also have a key my private key that allows me to get in that locker and move the contents. So what you have with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is you have a public address and a private key. And having my private key allows me to have access to move those coins as I see fit. You never actually download them. They're living up there in the cloud. You just have that cryptographic key. Now, if you use a wallet on your phone, like an app wallet or a hardware wallet, what those do is they store that key. And so by using my app, it, it uses my key to, tr to do the transaction, or if I use a hardware wallet, I can plug it into my computer to sign that transaction, and then I can uh, do whatever transfer I want from there. The problem is if I use uh, someone like Coinbase, my coins are on Coinbase, and what that means is they have my keys. And so we say, not your keys, not your coin. If I don't have my key, somebody else has it. Now, the problem is, well, there's, there's, there's pros and cons. So if I have my own, then um, the security's on me. If someone hacks my phone or I lose my key, that's on me. But if Coinbase does it, I, I, they can protect my key. But what if they decide not to give it back to me? What if the government says, freeze that account? Uh, what if something like that happens? Well, um, if, um, news came out, disclosure came out today that it says, uh, in their disclosure, it says, quote, in the event of a bankruptcy, customers, um, moreover, because custodial held crypto assets may be considered to be the property of a bankruptcy estate in the event of a bankruptcy, the crypto assets we hold in custody on behalf of our customers could be subject to bankruptcy proceedings and such customers could be treated as our general unsecured creditors. So what that means is that if they were to go through some sort of a bankruptcy type proceeding, then your assets that you think are your assets aren't actually yours. The assets that you think are yours are theirs. They owe them to you, but in a bankruptcy proceeding, they would be included in their sale and what you would get would be nothing.
So if the government says, hey, freeze those assets, hey, they don't allow them to withdraw anymore, um, something like that would happen. Or they'd get into financial problems like not having any revenue, being down 80%, something like that, and they were forced into a bankruptcy, they could potentially take your assets. So as we say, not your keys, not your coin, get your Bitcoin off the exchange right now. Um, you can use a hardware wallet. I like to use Trezor. It's probably the easiest one. Cold card is probably the most secure one. You can use one of those, or you could use a um, concierge multi-sig setup like I use with Unchained Capital. That's what I'd recommend. But whatever you do, get your Bitcoin off the exchanges. We've just found out that per Coinbase's uh, own um, statement, in the event of a bankruptcy, you could lose all your Bitcoin. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution, trying to help you navigate this world that we're going through right now. I have a lot more news about the world, the financial system, and the risks that we are facing right now. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to another episode of The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And we focus on the changes that it's making to the world so you can navigate this correctly. And really like to look at, um, you know, these three cycles that I talk about all the time. And it's the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. The converging of those three things is really where the change is happening. So I like to, I like to look at like politics as it relates to finance and finance as it relates to politics. And of course, we look at technology, which of course, to me, is Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Uh, and so, um, man, there's some stuff going on today. Uh, we, we saw this week the um, government put out its new numbers on inflation. It's trying to get a handle on inflation as fast as they can. That means uh, the way they call it is uh, they're trying to get a handle on prices going up. The cost of goods and services is going up so fast that it's causing a real problem for people. And uh, hooray, they got it to slow down a little bit. We went from an 8% increase of um, inflation or CPI or price inflation to 85 and now back down to 8.3. Doesn't mean prices are reversing. What it means is that things are just going up <laughs> a tad bit slower than they were before. Now, what is the government, what is the you know, central bank, the Federal Reserve doing to try to slow down this price appreciation? Well, they're trying to slow down the financial markets. So the Federal Reserve has been stimulating the financial markets by doing two things. One, by buying bonds, by buying mortgage-backed securities, so propping up the debt markets. And two, by lowering interest rates so people continue to borrow more and spend more money or, or creates more money into existence through that debt. Now, what they're trying to do is they're trying to raise the interest rates because as they raise the interest rates, less money is created right? Well, that's what they're telling you. And so uh, your financial portfolios, your retirement accounts are melting down right now because the government is trying to suck some of the stimulus out that they put in. I mean, the, the, this is just absurd. So they pump a bunch of money in by lowering rates so people take on a bunch of debt and literally pumping money in the markets by buying debt. And then it starts going too hot, so they suck it back out. So they cause boom bust, boom, bust. They lower rates and buy the debt, push it up and they raise rates and they suck the debt back out and they try to drop it back down. The problem is these boom and bust cycles keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now they're causing the entire markets to melt down. You're watching your retirement accounts dwindle away. You're watching, um, Everything, including your DeFi uh, protocol, is dropping 80%. We're watching most cryptocurrencies down 50%, 60%. Even Bitcoin's down 25% in the last week. Um, all of those numbers were in the last week. And just when we think that it couldn't get worse, um, when the government seemingly doesn't have any money or doesn't want to continue to push inflation by creating more money, um, we can't deal with the problems that we even have in the United States. And so now we have all types of shortages, things like that. We have the feds trying to, or the government trying to send $40 billion to Ukraine. What the heck does that mean? Uh, pretty interesting story that I was reading here this week, talking about how Congress refuses to address our own crises we have in the United States. Um, but yet we want to send more money to Ukraine. As a matter of fact, um, they had only asked for, uh, President Joe Biden had only asked for $33 billion. Now, when I say only, to put that into perspective, 
we throw around billions and trillions like it's nothing anymore. It's insane. Uh, we lose sight of how big that is. If we put those numbers into seconds, a million seconds was 11 days ago. A billion seconds was 31 years ago. So from 11 days to 31 years in seconds. But a trillion seconds is 31,000 years. So a billion is 31 years. A trillion is 31,000 years. So to put that into perspective, they had only asked, President Biden only asked for 33 million. Uh, but that wasn't enough. Uh, the U.S. House of Representatives said, no, let's actually give them more. Let's give them 40 billion in U.S. taxpayer dollars to Ukraine because, you know, taxpayers, U.S. taxpayers, they're having a great time. I mean, shoot, your cost of living is going down, right? No, your cost of living is going up. So why not just raise taxes? So the Biden administration, of course, raised taxes. And let's just send that money to Ukraine. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Now, never mind the problems that we have here at home, like the Department of Homeland Security admitted that they've let almost 1 million illegal aliens in through the southern border this year. Now, when, uh, when we tried to get $4 billion to build the wall up down there to protect this invasion of a million people coming in the southern border, we couldn't find $4 billion in the budget. But now we can find $40 billion to go help another country with their border. Pretty interesting. Um, Never mind uh, record inflation, never mind federal deficits, um, never mind any of that. Now, this bill was quickly sent over there. Um, I'm not blaming it on one party or the other. Or the other. It seems to be um, a unanimous decision to send all this money over there. question I like to have is like, where does that money go? Pretty interesting. And that's what I want, I want to talk about for a minute. Where does that money go? $40 billion. Sounds pretty good. Um, so that's H.R. 7691, the Ukraine Emergency Supplemental Appropriations Act. $40 billion. How much of that goes into Zelensky's pocket? Now, Zelensky, uh, you may or may not be aware. First of all, um, I'm not pro-Putin. I'm not pro-war. I'm not pro-death. I, I like peace. Uh, but uh, Ukraine is not a peaceful democracy. They're, they were ranked 90th on a scale of uh, uh, in um in a rating of how corrupt they are. Um, Zelensky was an actor who came to power by putting his democratically elected uh, people in prison and taking over power. Um, so just, just so you know that. And so we want to give him all this money. Well, let's take a look at where this goes. So we have, um, let's see, we have uh, 60, 17 billion for Department of Defense Operation and Maintenance, 351 million for uh, Army missiles. We have uh, another... Another billion, another million for defense working capital funds, 14 million for defense health programs, 54 million for CDC activities. Uh, Want to make sure nobody gets COVID over there, I suppose. We have a, a billion for administration. That sounds pretty good. Um, 10 million for uh, Department of State capital investment funds. I guess we need to invest into that. I mean, it's just insane. We have uh, $40 billion that's going into this giant black hole to all their friends. And so just remember that when they talk about um, well, they need to destroy the markets to prevent prices from going up, and then they just want to send a billion dollars over there to Ukraine, um, learn to read between the lines. And of course, I would recommend, uh, if you're not happy with that, if you object with your taxpayer dollars going into that like I do, uh, maybe you should do something about it. You could talk about it. 
You could write your local congressman, your representatives, and let them know how you feel about that. This is not a right or left position, in my opinion. This is an American taxpayer position wanting to know where the heck does my $40 billion go. And I can tell you that I object to where that money is going. So I thought you would just like to see where some of that crazy amount went. Um, $500 million for additional funds for munitions procurement. I mean, I could just go on and on and on here. $4 billion for foreign military financing programs. Um, anyway, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about um, this decentralized revolution. This is part of the world breaking apart, um, the, the centralization of the world breaking apart. Of course, the United States is taking money that we should be using in our own country and giving to other countries to further break this down. It's pretty in, in, interesting to watch. Um, you listen to The Mark Moss Show. I have a lot more to cover, so do not go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about um, the intersection of politics, finance, and technology, trying to navigate this crazy world and make sense of it, both financially and uh, what, I like to, what I like to focus on is um, what I call financial sovereignty. And so really, it's about money and it's about sovereignty, um, which you could call freedom. I call sovereignty being able to direct my life as I see fit. And so we use money to give us that freedom. And so I I like to look at things holistically so I can learn to navigate this, protect myself, my family from it. Some of the things that's been interesting, um, paying attention to, um, that's really been catching my eye a lot lately, and I've talked about quite a bit, is um, the way the entire world has been shaken up by Elon Musk's and his bid or his plan to take over Twitter. Now, it's interesting because as Twitter moved to censor and delete accounts, ban people, deplatform people left and right, um, when it was uh, along with one political ideology, it was perfectly fine. However, when somebody else comes on and says they want to open it up um, for more free speech, meaning that they want to take a much less aggressive stance on um, stopping what people say and even permanently banning people, that becomes a big problem. Now, I look at this two ways. So Elon Musk says he wants to buy Twitter so he could open it up to more free speech. Okay, that's pretty good. In my opinion, I believe in free speech. I believe in free speech because I believe that the truth is found through speech. The truth is found through discussion. I might think I have an idea. You might think you have an idea. We should openly discuss that idea. We should debate that idea. We should probably bring other people in on the discussion. And through that discussion, going back with ideas, we learn from each other. And and eventually we find this understanding. We find what the truth is. That's why free speech is so important. Free speech is, in, is important for sharing those ideas, which then leads to progress, which then leads to more creativity, which then leads to more ingenuity and inventions and products and services and so much more. Um, however, apparently, some people think that you're not smart enough to handle hearing things that you don't like to hear. And so it was interesting to see how uh, mainstream media seemed to erupt over the fact that somebody would buy a social media platform to give it free speech. Now, what was interesting is when thousands and thousands of people have been deplatformed, including the active sitting president of the United States, people said, it's fine. Twitter is a private company. They can do what they want. And so that's a tricky situation. I do believe that a private business should be able to do what they want. A private business is my private property. I should be able to do with that business what I want. If I want to serve this customer or not, that should be up to me. Now, uh, growing up, you would typically see like an establishment would say, we reserve the right to refuse service, right? And so they should be able to. They can choose what they do want to do. That's private business. And so they'd say, hey, Twitter can censor whoever they want. It's a, it's a private business. Um, I'm not going to get super deep into that, but... Um, As soon as Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter and actually take it from a publicly traded company to a private company, now that's a big problem. And now all of a sudden it's not a private company anymore, which is pretty weird. But what's even weirder is so there's this uproar about freedom of speech, which is very interesting to see. However, the contrast is that from the time that Elon Musk decided to buy Twitter, he announced it. um, And I haven't actually looked at it for a minute here. So let's take a look and see where we're at here. If I look at the price of Twitter, which 
I mean, it's still up quite a bit, as a matter of fact, which is interesting as uh, most of the tech stocks are way down. So right now, Tesla, I'm sorry, Twitter is up 48% from where, uh, from the time when he announced that he would buy it. So it's up 48%. Now, this is up 48% at a time when all the other um, tech stocks are way down, uh, which is pretty interesting. We can see, for example, um, over that same period, we can see where Facebook's at, which is about flat. It's about flat. Um, it had gone up and come back down. Uh, Facebook's down. We can see, obviously, all the big tech stocks are down, but Twitter's up almost 50%. So here's what this tells me. What this tells me is that the mainstream media is all up in arms about giving somebody freedom of speech, which is insane to me. However, the mainstream media represents a very small percentage of the market. The market, as represented through the financial markets, are telling us something completely different. Now, there's one reason why when you run polls to find out who's going to be president, they're typically way off. But we saw in the last presidential election cycle, we had betting markets where people were betting on who would become the eventual winner of the election. The betting markets were extremely close and the, and the polls were way off. Why is that? Well, anybody can say whatever they want in a poll. But when it comes to putting your money where your mouth is, when you have skin in the game, when you have an incentive, you, you choose much wiser, much closer. And so that's why the betting markets were different. So back to this. Mainstream media wants to tell you it's insane. No, we can't have free speech. How horrible is this? But the markets are telling us that they value free speech. The Twitter's up 50%. Why? Well, the markets are a discounting mechanism. What does that mean? The markets discount. They, you try to buy something cheaper today than you think it will be worth in the future. So people were buying Twitter saying it will be worth more in the future because if Elon Musk can open it up for free speech, then we believe that will be more valuable in the future. And so they are buying it. And so the market, like a betting market, put money where their mouth was, put skin in the game. And we saw the price of Twitter go up by more than 50%. But of course, um, the powers that be, if you want to call them that, are certainly not a fan of that. It was only within days or maybe a week or two after that was announced that then all of a sudden the United States, the Biden administration, the Department of Homeland Security announces their new Ministry of Truth. They want to tell you what's true because apparently you don't no, and you're not smart enough to figure it out. So they want to tell you what the Ministry of Truth was. And it's not just the United States. As a matter of fact, this has kicked off a firestorm of regulators. We see social media regulations expand globally as Elon Musk plans the Twitter takeover. He says, or says here that countries are taking more steps to compel social media platforms to shield users, shield them. We've got to protect people from material that they deem harmful through standards that could affect Twitter. So if the government deems it to be harmful, then they need to protect you. Now, one thing that's inter interesting about freedom of speech is that if you, if, if, if you take away my freedom of speech so I can't say what I want, they're also punishing you. They're also taking away your freedom to hear. Think about that. I may lose my right to speech. You may lose your right to hear. We're both being punished in that. The, the good thing about hearing harmful content is that if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to. 
See, you also have freedom to hear it. You also have freedom not to hear it. You can mute accounts on Twitter you don't like. You can block accounts on Twitter you can you don't like. You can not follow them if you don't like them. It's very simple to do that. We don't need the government, but the government here we see regulators from Australia to European Union, India, Canada, and the UK have recently introduced are, or are now considering new rules for policing online content. I mean, this is insane. Um, this is why we need Bitcoin. <laughs> we like to say Bitcoin fixes this. And the reason why Bitcoin fixes this is because it takes away the money. With the, with the money, with freedom of money, we have freedom. And so we need to have freedom of money. We need to take away some of the power of them to be able to print all this money so they can build out these large regulatory bodies like this. The government continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger because they're able to print more and more and more of their money. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'll be right back with more. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. 
With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about... We're talking about this decentralized revolution the world is going through. We're talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. And as the as the world goes through this decentralized revolution, which, of course, is being led by Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it's the technology, the decentralized technology that's helping the world become more decentralized. It's not easy. It's not smooth. The centralized powers that be, the governments don't want to give up that power and control. And so as, they start to, as it starts to slip through their fingers, they try to grab more harshly. And the more harshly they grab, the more starts to slip through their fingers. And it's this, um, this reflexive loop that basically happens. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. So the, the powers that be, the governments of the world started to lose their narrative. What does that mean? Well, they want to control the information that you read, that you see, so they can control the narrative. They can control what you believe, what you think. The problem is we had an internet, we, we had an invention called the internet. And the internet allows us to spread information and allows you to hear my voice and hear what I'm saying. And through the internet, um, they've lost control. It was very easy when we all watched the same three news channels and we all read the same couple of newspapers. When we did that, it was super simple for them to control the narrative. It was cheap. It was easy. The returns on their violence were very high. The problem is, as the internet um, came, it allowed all this new alternative media to grow up. And now we have you know, people like... Um, Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson and these big, big channels that are getting way more views than mainstream media. And so they're losing the narrative on that. And so in order to try to great, regain control, they have to figure out any way they can to try to control and regulate that. And of course, they'll put laws into place to do just that. Take away my right to talk so they can take away your right to hear. Now, you might be listening to this and saying, Mark, but look, there's crazy people like Alex Jones, and Alex Jones says things that are really dangerous, and we have to prevent these really dangerous people from saying these really dangerous things. Okay, do we? You see, the truth is found through open discussion and through transparency. So if we had open and honest debate, Alex Jones could say something really crazy, for example, and other people could come out and say, that's not right. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to see debates. And the reason why I love to see debates is because one person may say something that seems very convincing. They may be uh, very certain about what they're saying, and, and I might believe that. Maybe I don't have a real educated opinion on that. But then I hear somebody else, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I hadn't thought about that, 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 right? And so through open discussion, through open debate, we can find that truth. The problem is that when you censor that, we never find it. And so now those voices are in the dark. Now, they may be right, they may be wrong, but we may never know. The reason why is because censorship does the exact opposite. It doesn't bring more truth or more trust. So if you've ever had a business partner um, that was embezzling from you or a friend that was you know, stealing from you or a, a girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, whatever, cheating on you, you know that confidence starts being lost. You start to think like, wow, what are these charges showing up on my bank account? And is my partner doing this or that? Or who's my, who's my significant other texting late at night, right? And you start to lose confidence, start to lose trust. Now, if you went to your business partner and said, hey, could we look at the bank account and look at a couple of these charges to see what they are? If they said, yeah, sure, hey, hey, here's the receipts and whatever, they could restore that confidence through open 
honest dialogue through transparency. If you looked at your significant other in bed and say, who the heck are you texting late at night? And they said, oh, I'm talking to my mom. Look, here's my text message. That would restore trust. If your business partner said, oh, uh, that's nothing for you to see. You you, you don't want to know that. Don't, Don't look at that. That would almost just confirm what you already know. And so whenever you take away a person's right to talk, it looks bad. Uh, There's a saying that um, ripping out a man's tongue does not prove him wrong. It only proves that you have something to hide. And so the way that we build trust, the way that we build trust, the way that we find truth, the way that we discuss ideas is through open platforms and discussion. The other thing is that, you know, I see some people on Twitter saying some insane, crazy things like, like especially here in California, the legislative, but also all across Twitter, you can see like we, there's like a whole subset of people that are like trying to um, change the age of consent. They want little kids to be able to consent to sexual acts. I mean, it is absolutely insane. I can't believe Twitter allows this to happen. Uh, they censor active sitting presidents, but they allow that to be talked about. It's insane. However, now we see who these people are. Now we know who they are, we know exactly what they want, and we can call them out for who they are, and we know to discount what they say. And so on one hand, I would like, I I don't want to hear it, it bothers me that there's people that have those views, but at least we know who they are. And then we can combat that, we can talk about that. Anyway, back to this at hand, it says that... um, how content moderation rules would work at Twitter um, under Mr. Musk remains unclear. Of course, it's always unclear. Um, he called the move a, quote, morally bad decision. And um, he said, quote, if there are tweets that are wrong and bad, those should be either deleted or made invisible. And a suspension or temporary suspension is appropriate, but not a permanent ban. But that's not good enough for the lawmakers. The European Digital Services Act, which was agreed to by lawmakers in April, would compel platforms to swiftly address illegal content and offer a process for users to complain if they disagree with moderation decisions. So swiftly address illegal content. But what's illegal? What type of content would be illegal? That's where some of this problem starts to line up. It says um, a new law in Australia goes further allowing an e-safety commission to order platforms to remove certain content or face fines. What content? And who's the, who's the safety commission? Who are, who's determining what's safe and what isn't safe? It says, um, we'll be keeping a close watch and making sure that Twitter and other platforms are taking the steps required under Australian law to address online safety issues. Now, I think there's all things that we could agree are not safe, like child exploitation, for example. I think there's things that we could all agree to, but the problem is the rest becomes subjective. So we want to start banning hate speech. Well, let's say that, um, let's say that I hate pineapple on pizza. I hate that. And it grosses me out to even hear anybody talk about that. And I feel that it's violence because speech is violence now, apparently. And I hate that. Now, is that, should that be considered hate speech? See, I, I, use an, I use a ridiculous example partly because that's how ridiculous things have become, but to show you that it's subjective. There's only a couple of things that we could all agree on, but the rest are all subjective. Now, the other thing is that we have laws against things. So, for example, I think we all agree that child exploitation is wrong, and turns out it's actually illegal too. So if anybody were actually talking about it, then there's a crime and they can go do something about it. Hating um, somebody because they're um, dumb or ugly isn't a crime. 
you don't have to choose to listen to that. We also have laws against uh, libel and slander. We also have those laws as well. So we already have laws. It says, in the U.S., lawmakers have put forward multiple proposals for dealing with online content, though few have advanced amid debates over freedom of expression and censorship. And Canada's government has also pledged to introduce legislation to address online content such as hate speech. And again, what is hate speech? And that is the point. We can't have these subjective things. Um, and this just further goes to prove how the world is grasping to maintain power over centralization, mainly because they want to control the narrative, not so much because they care about you. As I said, Twitter already makes it very easy to unfollow people, block people if I want to. I don't have to hear it. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear what you have to think. You can hit me up on social media at number one Mark Moss. Find me on Twitter. Find me on, on Instagram, whatever, at one Mark Moss. Send me a message and let me know what you think. I'm here trying to help you make sense of this decentralized revolution that we're living through from a political, financial, and a technological standpoint. If you missed some of the show, you can catch it on the iHeartRadio network. Just search Mark Moss iHeart, Mark Moss Podcast, and you'll find it there. Um, and you can catch up on some of that. We've covered so much today, including um, the DeFi tokens, the Luna tokens, um, DeFi protocols blowing up, what's happening to Bitcoin. Uh, we've talked about uh, Twitter. We've talked about so much and more. So if you missed any of that, go ahead and um, check it out. And don't miss it next time. Put a reminder on your phone for this time, this channel, and join me each and every week. It's the most important part of your week. And that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week on the Mark Moss Show. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.